Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, our Editor-at-Large, usually dialing in from Los Angeles. But this time, you seem to have gotten a little lost south of the border. You're in Mexico. What are you doing out there, Ann? There's this really good festival, the Morelia Film Festival, which I went to last year. What had happened was that this woman, Meredith Brody, who, who wrote for me on Thompson on Hollywood, she would write these amazing pieces about all the food and all the meals and the great parties and the great uh, trips to Pazcuaro and all this stuff. That she, and I would go, I want to be there. I want to be doing that. So I, I basically got myself invited, and now um, I, I'm back again and uh, happy to be here. It's a great festival. I went in 2008, and, I, and I've been wanting to go back ever since because it's, it's a cool city that I think a lot of people, even if they've been to Mexico a lot, don't know about. It's sort of a college town. It's very hip. It's, it's pretty far from Mexico City, but it's, it's got its own sort, sort of thing going on, and it's a very well-programmed festival. Yeah, it's part of Michoacan. It's part, you know, it's south of of, of Guadalajara and and uh, not, and it's inland. It's it's very beautiful. I I, I quite I quite like it. And uh, the guy who's in charge of uh, Cinepolis, the the um, fourth largest exhibitor in the world. You know, I mean, we talk about China, but we also have a Mexican exhibition. conglomerate going on and and uh he's he's basically uh behind this festival and lets people watch the movies at, at a discount at his theaters and it's it's kind of cool anything you're looking forward to seeing this weekend well i'm i'm going to catch up with some of the um mexican competition films and i'm not going to be able to give you all their all their names but i've got tips on on two of them and uh you know you don't want to you don't want to take too many risks but you want to get some tips so i came in from the airport not only with chris dodd who's the head of the mpaa who loves coming to moralia um but the uh one of the programmers uh, was in was in the car, and so she was giving me giving me tips on. Uh, and they're doing they're doing a tribute to Audrey Tattoo. So Thierry Fumeau will be here as usual, following his Lumiere uh, festival. He likes to come here. Last year they tributed Isabelle Huppert, so I got to meet her then. Um, and they're having a big tribute to German cinema with the director who who did the movie um, Victoria. Right, so it's it's not really just a festival exclusively focused on the Latin American world. It's just a well-programmed festival that knows how to get some top-tier talent out there to kind of survey everything that's out there. Well said, well said. But, but I, do remember, I do remember when I was there in 2008, I saw a movie that never got released in the U.S. It was probably made for $1,000 in, in the middle of the desert, and it just blew my mind. So there are some good discoveries if you dig deep enough. No, I saw a documentary last year about the... This Mexican um, Ouija kind of photographer uh, who, who 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 went around shooting train wrecks and stuff. I mean, uh, uh, car wrecks and 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 decapitated bodies and people's with their arms in meat grinders and stuff. It was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and I swear that never surfaced really mm. in the. Uh, people say that the European uh, documentaries are often not entirely recognized inside um, the American documentary universe, although I will say that the Italian submission for the Oscar, Fire at Sea, which was one of um, 
is one of the best films uh, I've seen this year. Is 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 definitely being taken seriously. Right. Well, it also helps that it's in the zeitgeist, so that sort of thing. Is that's why. That's why. That. Yeah. It's about it's about the uh, the the uh, immigration issues in Europe. Um, okay, let's do the Gotham's. Yes. So, in, in in addition to the Morelia Film Festival happening this weekend, uh, the award season cycle continues with the Gotham Awards. the The nominations came out this week. And um, I always love being a part of this process. I, I've been on the Best Feature uh, Selection Committee, Nominating Committee in the last few years, in addition to the Breakthrough Director Award and the Screenplay Award. We also had two other members of our staff this year who were on uh, different committees. David Ehrlich, who, who nominated the uh, Breakthrough Actor category with some other people, as well as Liz Miller, our TV editor, who, who nominated the uh, Breakthrough Series long form and short form. So uh, we were all Gotham's across jumping the on the TV bandwagon along with everybody else. Yeah, but I but I have to tell you that the Gotham's nominating process, I mean, a lot of times the narrative around the Gotham's is, well, they may be the first out of the gate in terms of awards season nominations, but they don't tell you anything. And I find that to be a compliment because it's a very different kind of process for nominating films than anything else that we'll be talking about this season. It really is these small groups of people who just have a conversation about the best movies of the year and wind up with some kind of consensus list. Now, sometimes that reflects movies that are in the conversation for other reasons. And that How many you know, people are on that feature, best feature there, committee? There's five, there's five people. And it's usually, it, it, it moves around, people move around a little bit, they kind of shake it up. I, kind of, I think I wound up on, on the same category for a while, partly because one of the reasons this process works the way it does is that you really have to see a lot of movies throughout the year. I mean, especially with something like Breakthrough Director. I mean, these are movies that, in some cases, very few people have seen, or if they did see them, they saw them at film festivals and things like that, and so... You know, for me, it's it's sort of a culmination of traveling around and watching so many different kinds of new movies. No, you have a, you're a good person for them to have on there. But what I would, I guess, where I'm getting at is that I think what what the the I've, I've, the, perp, the the thing that that an awards show like the Gotham's the, these nominations does for the people who are paying attention, it gives them reasons to watch something um this helps with documentaries say you know it, it helps a lot to have camera person i'm not your negro oj made in america these are three we've already brought up and wiener and tower we've talked about all of these they continue to be ones that will go moving up on the pile those are the ones i have to see you know for the people in the in the doc branch who are having to get through 130 movies or something and are worried they're not going to even see their minimum 20 uh that they're assigned you know, but but the but the other uh, I wonder about. It's interesting to me that that La La Land didn't make any play here, not even for Emma Stone. Uh, that sort of surprised me. And Best Actress. Well, maybe the question you start with here. I mean, we haven't really even talked about the Best Feature, Kevin Gurry, in, in detail. I mean, there's certain women everybody wants them: Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, Patterson. So. What surprises you about La La Land not being in the mix? That'd because be it. it's, a, it's, it's it, I think what it, what this shows is that the Gotham's are going to go in. A, I predicted from the beginning that that certain you know that that Patterson and certain women and everybody wants some would be rewarded by the Gotham's and the Indie Spirits, but might not be 
going all the way to the Oscar race. And, and I think it's very important for the Gothams to do this. But La La Land, what this suggests to me is, is, is that that movie must have been in the conversation, but was not considered one of the best independent films of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you really drill down into individual categories, things that don't make the cut are not there for a reason. I and mean, having said that... But partly can't... because it probably got so many accolades that you didn't think it needed the help. Well, the, and the, it doesn't. There, and it doesn't need the help. I, I, I've heard people at studios say that about movies of a certain size. I mean, obviously, a movie like La La, 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 La could Land is still seen. an independent film. It is. I mean, and it was released by Lionsgate. It wasn't released by some somebody bigger than that. And, and Damien Chazelle is obviously somebody who's part of that world in a very specific way. Not to mention the fact that La La Land, which I like, is a natural outgrowth of a very scrappy first feature. And so in that sense, it does seem like a sort of triumph of a certain style kind of growing rapidly uh, as the the artist does. So it's it's not that. I mean, look, it's hard enough to come up with a list of of my top 10, usually at the end of, of the year, for a committee to come up with a top five for any of these categories, you know, where... Maybe everybody's all on board with them. Maybe everybody's all on board with some of them. It's just ultimately anything that is not universally beloved is unlikely to make the cut. I mean, that's just, that happens with, with, you know. And you're supporting my thesis that La La Land is not in in the end going to be the consensus loved movie that people think it is. But you feel like this sort of, what we're talking about here is, is a bunch of, really critics talking things through. You right. feel like that's and so this is a very... So, so the Gothams... Don't, here's, what, here's what I'm trying to say. The Gothams don't represent anything. They don't reflect anything, really. They, they, they're idiosyncratic. <laughs> a, a good taste in the fact that Eric Cohen adores certain women. You know, whatever. Uh, but they do help make people want to see movies. That's my point. That's right. the only point I'm trying to make. Yeah, the people I, who actually pay attention to them. By the way... Even the Gotham Awards, when you actually parse how much impact they, the winners are going to have, it isn't that big. and It's not a big splash in the overall universe. But, you know, there is probably something to be said for the visibility that these movies are getting right now. Okay, I get it. Certain Women is not an Oscar season player. But Manchester Moonlight obviously are. Yes, then, they're going you know, forward. So it can't Patterson hurt. gets a slight, a slight boost for Adam Driver, who's the one person involved with Patterson that that could be considered if the if the actors want to look at that movie and and recognize what a great performance he gives. You know, he could be a real long shot. This helps him to be considered. Even, and, and check out know? that screenplay category. You got Hell or High Water. That's a movie that's done very well. No, this is going to help Hell or High Water, which I think would get in anyway. It's it and and um, I think Love and Friendship gets a, a is the one that might get a boost in that in that category as as a, I don't know about Kate Beckinsale. She's she's a long shot for for actress. Well, I don't, the best I don't actress see categories. It. it seems to be so the crowded. most competitive one at this point. I mean, it just there's no way anybody can crack it unless they've already been gaining momentum at this point. There's no latecomers to this party. So basically, they're giving tributes to Amy Adams, which on some level helps the marketing team behind Arrival, which is not an indie film in this. It is not perceived as an indie film, although, in fact, Arrival is an indie film. Well, you know, uh, it's funny. I mean, the, the Gothams don't have a hard and fast rule for that definition the way the spirits do. A couple of years ago, I guess it was... 
a decade ago, The Departed won Best Film, and they got a lot of backlash for that because that was. I can see that. But, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, we wrestle with this on IndieWire. Scorsese is in our world, but it's a big studio movie. And so the spirits have a $20 million cap for how you qualify for these categories. But the Gotham's, what they did after the Departed debacle, as it were, was they add, they they added a, a, a term? They said that these movies had to be made with an economy of means, which is basically like hint hint nudge nudge. Please don't nominate those studio movies. All right, so that would knock Arrival out. It's not Arrival isn't one of the big big movies, but it's 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 obviously uh, you know multi million dollar event movie. Um, and then uh, so I wouldn't have imagined that that so so the tributes all Amy Adams and and Ethan Hawke, where I'm still saying check out Born to Be Blue, even though it's a long shot, and and I still think Snowden is not going to register in the awards conversation, even though I think it's actually a real really good screenplay um but uh whatever yeah it's um, not the kind of thing people are getting too enthusiastic no it died it, it bombed i mean that's that's part of it and and uh and part of it is how people see oliver stone which is just a something he has to live with um, well, you haven't even touched on the biggest omission here which is the movie we've been talking about to death this whole season just to figure out what the hell happened which is birth of a nation I wouldn't have expected that to be, even from the beginning. But there were a couple people who tried to get some information out of me about this. I mean, it's in not a single category, so you have to... You have to really look at this as as the kind of completion of that cycle in some ways, right? I mean, it's just it's well, in a way, know. yes. If birth in the old, I, I keep talking about this. There's there's the. It's almost as though Birth of a Nation has two identities: the the, the uh, parallel universe that was supposed to be, and the real world, you know, that occurred. And and uh, I'm sure I'm sure Nate Parker wishes that that other universe had happened, but it didn't. And um, it's dead in the water at this point. It and, just is. And really the movie of the moment, at least the one that seems to be capturing the zeitgeist in terms of the kind of ways we've been talking about it recently in the run-up to release, is Moonlight. That movie, if you just look at the way that people are talking about it, responding to it, the kind of enthusiasm surrounding it, building up to its release this weekend, I mean, that that is the movie that you couldn't have anticipated but seems to speak to an underrepresented demographic and at the same time is very much something that speaks to people who just love cinema. So, well, I would recommend that everybody read the piece that you wrote this week. Well, thank um, you. Not that we're trying to promote IndieWire or anything, but um, you did a lovely job of going back because you, this is an example of where IndieWire, you have been tracking Barry Jenkins. You saw Medicine for Melancholy. You have been following his career. You have been tracking him at festivals like Telluride where he's always there. And I, I, I've met him there too. But you, you really um, showed what, you know, the travails of, of an independent filmmaker who's trying to get certain, pro- this happens to every single filmmaker who, who, who gets discovered and, and gets, tries to get things going and it, they run against the realities of financing, the realities of what's possible. And he needed a good producer to help him refine his, his vision and pick the right project. And this was such a great example of how Adele Romansky was able, and with Plan B coming in, these very enlightened uh, producers who, who, who see things and then they are able, Brad Pitt's company, um, able to get them made. This is just a great, uh, you, you laid it out really well and well, I think I people that. enjoy the piece. Yeah, I, but the other key point of that piece is that when Medicine for Melancholy 
made the rounds on the film festival circuit, even though it was acclaimed, it was a very small production. And in some ways, we were not as a culture at a time where we knew exactly what to do with that movie and that filmmaker in the way that Moonlight has sort of arrived at just the moment where that seems to be I agree. Appropriate. That's and totally also, true. The zeitgeist has to match up always in these situations. So you have a situation where on Metacritic, and I've been aware of this since uh, Telluride, and, uh, you know, since it broke, but it's still true as of the opening uh, weekend. This movie's at like 99 on Metacritic, and that does not happen very often, and it is often a sign of a real um, Oscar contender. There are very few films that have been in this, do, that get this. This is the best-reviewed movie of the year, basically. But if I've studied my Ann Thompson correctly, it still has to do pretty well commercially. If it just, if people just don't go... If A.O. Scott and you and everybody else, I mean, b- b- beyond beyond what's happening right now with the opening weekend, you're gonna you're all gonna put it on your ten best. I'm gonna put it on my ten best. It's gonna be winning things like the New York Film Critics and and you know, Manchester by the Sea is is the other competition though. Um, and in some ways, Manchester is just as strong um, is stronger in some ways, but, so, but it's, it's going to do, these are the two films that we're going to be, be talking about and loving is coming along and had a big cover story in the, in the Hollywood reporter, another, uh, film that, that is part of the conversation about race and, and, a, and an unthreatening one, a reassuring one with great acting and Edgerton and, and Nega are both reflected in the votes, uh, for the Gothams. And so that sort of supports that push that's going to, uh, going to continue. Loving and and your nice. friend uh, Pablo Lorraine's Jackie got in there with with Natalie Portman. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I know. That's I'm sure. Happen. I'm sure Searchlight would have liked to see it dominate some more categories, but it's a, that's a, the, probably the most audacious of, of these movies. I'm curious to see how something like Jackie does versus Loving or La La Land. I mean, there's such fundamentally different kinds of experiences. It's really hard to figure out which one has the upper hand in that respect. Well, La La Land has the disadvantage of having had such enormous expectations placed upon it that it's going to be hard for people to, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to have to... um, I mean, it is a crowd pleaser. People love it. It did win the audience award at Toronto. I mean, we're not worrying about that so much. But I, I believe that it will have um, a more varied response from a, a wide range of people. It's not going to be a consent, just like your group. That is what your group does reflect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie that you watch it, you think it's very very much an accomplished achievement. But at the same time, especially because it's so hyped at this point, I think a lot of the time, a lot of people, by the time they get around to seeing it, it's just confirming exactly what they thought the movie was going to be, and so that's an interesting kind of marketing challenge. Since the movie's opening so late in the year after these other screenings that it's had, and um, well, the thing that the, the, a lot of the movies that that end up breaking through have, and if you think about last year, you know, it was true of something like Room or something like Amy on the dock side, you know, when they do something that no one else has really done before and they make the audience sort of sit up and take notice, they become must-sees, even even an indie hit like The Lobster did that, you know, you, 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 you look at, 
La La Land, and it does do that. It shows you a musical in a way that no one's ever shown you a musical, and that's a great asset. And and he reinvents it, and it plays younger. And I think Moonlight is totally new. You've never seen this before. Right. And 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 I think Manchester by the Sea takes drama and emotion and authenticity to a new level and so does loving i I, I believe loving does that too but manchester and loving it sounds like of that quartet if indeed this is the quartet we we have now in terms of front runners loving and and manchester are the more kind of conventional experiences at least in terms of the way they tell their stories i would argue that both of those filmmakers those are writer director uh filmmakers um, resist the, the one of one of the reasons they're going to push through is because they resist being Hollywood glossy, knocking you over the head, and and so audiences are are not going to be told what to think on those. Before we move on, I, I do want to single out the Bingham Ray Breakthrough Director Award, partly because it's a great tribute to Bingham Ray, and you know I always think about it when we deal with this category because it's it is a really neat way to showcase some of the films that have gained traction throughout the year but i think that robert eggers the witch which is like such a no brainer as this breakthrough director story of the year that movie did really well commercially it's the second highest grossing indie film of the year and it was at the top until it was uh, surpassed by Hell and High Water. Hell yeah. Hell. So, I mean, why why doesn't an artful horror film uh, that speaks to many different kinds of viewers, why isn't that more in the conversation? Couldn't they compete for that movie? Screenplay, cinematography? I mean, Well, then we're running into... Well, that's a good... I would like to think that screenplay would be a possibility. They would have to campaign for it, and they would have to push it and get it out there. I mean, this is a movie um, There's precedence the... for, for comedies getting into... The, surprising things like... Like you know, Hangover or or Bridesmaids getting into getting or, uh, into uh, the comedy writing does go through for, with the writers, and sometimes animated films go through with with the writers. But I don't know. I was thinking. Um, I just did. Well, I'm, I'm, I think that would have to be the genre. Genre is is, is dicier, which right. is one reason why Arrival, which I think has a chance. To go through um, and and be recognized as one of the best movies of the year, um, it it has that genre element to it that that pushes it back slightly. We also have Southside with you in that category, which did very well commercially as well, and is is capturing the zeitgeist only in the sense that it's the the Obama movie. And there's another Obama movie about his time in college. This is the the Obama Michelle movie from their first date. I mean that that's a movie that I guess not everybody loved, but it's a very sweet. Portrait of a of a president that was lovely. His way out, so you know, I I don't know if that's something that roadside is is going to push on people to kind of remember no, things out there. I don't think so. No, I I, I wish that I think we, they're delighted it did as well as it did. Yeah, I think no, quite exactly. Pleased. Although I I think that it, the the other thing is kind of cool is that Barry, which Netflix is going to put out, is is actually complementary to it. So in some ways, when they're both out there, we'll have a more complete. Uh, kind of post-Obama cinema looking at his, his career. In any case, all of these movies have a better shot than Swiss Army Man, so uh, I, <laughs> I'm just glad we got one last chance to single out. Dream on! <laughs> so, Moonlight I have out. to say, for those... Oh, oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. Anne's afraid she's going to offend somebody. <laughs> but Moonlight, uh, that movie... The One other thing that I'm wondering about here is... It's so much of an artfully designed experience 
but not a traditional narrative experience, is that going to alienate people who don't care that, say, it's modeled on a Ho Shao Shen movie or that, you know, the cinematography is so striking in individual moments. I mean, it's a bit like, it's not boyhood, but it, it seems like, there, I, I detect there is I think it's more there. like boyhood than you think, in the sense that it takes these three temporal periods and adds up to uh, a fully fleshed human being who has been who you know who we who we gloss over and don't give depth to in so many of the narratives yeah i'm just concerned watch. about silent dissenters almost the people who who maybe i mean i'm just sort of playing devil's advocate because i love the movie so much but i also know what kind of movie it is and i see there's lots of stuff like this if you really are no, a lot of people here. are debunking how well moonlight can do but when all you need is is ao scott saying that it's the best movie of the year that's such a strong statement. Is this the best drop. movie of the year? Right? Yeah. You know? That 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 makes you sit up and, and go, well, what is this? We gotta check this out. And it's not like it's I mean, the one that people resisted looking at was Twelve Years a Slave because they thought it was gonna be so painful. Right. Well it's it, not it like this anyway. is painful. It still went all the way, so they had to. They had to watch it. That's what has to happen. Right. It has to become, and, and I'm not even worried. I'm not worried about that. It's just a small. It's just a small art movie. That is true. But would that be such a radical thing then for a small art movie to be a serious best picture contender? I mean, this time, time it's after Oscar So White. Right. So. That's that. The exactly the timing lines up. So the other movie opening this weekend, which. I, it doesn't seem like it's much of an Oscar contender, although it could have some serious commercial uh, appeal, is The Handmaiden, the Park Chan-wook film, which is fun and sexy, but also a very elegant, stylized period piece from a Korean filmmaker a lot of people like. And um, I, I'm really excited to see how audiences respond to this now that it's out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. I have wild. to say that I opened up uh, sneak previews with it um, for various uh, reasons. This is the um, class you teach at UCLA. With, right, uh, right, right. So, so that's the art house audience, the elder. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. It's elder. Um, and and it's, um, they're cinephiles. But I've learned, I've learned over the years you 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 go foreign you go asian you go period and you go long at your uh peril so this is 2 hours and 24 minutes long and uh Many of the people in the group went for it, and a lot of them did not, and were quite. And it was very sexy for them. So extremely sexy. The people who didn't go for it, I'm curious to know what what sort of feedback you got from them. Two people uh, wanted their money back for the entire series. That's how wow. appalled they were. Now that's only two out of like 500 people. Um, but you that's know, hilarious. So you, like they were I they know. were offended because it was too what exploitive of women during the prolonged sex scenes or something like that? I mean, what, what is it? I, I don't honestly know what offended. I mean, I, I, I did talk to this one woman who was sitting in the, in the uh, lobby and she just couldn't take it, you know? So, so <laughs> you're, you're, I thought it was safe because it is so entertaining. It is based on, you know, this 
very accessible book you know it's 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 a pot boiler it's 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 a it's a melodrama it's it's got all these great plot twists and 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 it's 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 a, a revenge story and it's a love story and and you don't know what's what you're constantly being turned around by these unreliable narrators it is so great i love this movie and manola loved it but but you know in the New York Times. But um, I think the art house audience, the the high end art house audience, will will appreciate it. Well, it's it's also I mean, it's not a perfect movie. There's some over the top stuff that I mean, it almost feels like you know, can Park Chan Wook finish a movie without slipping in an octopus at some point or <laughs> mutilating? It's like John Woo's doves. Yeah, I don't know, it's just like he's sort of. He's he's it's so there are parts of it that are are kind of unnecessarily over the top that seem to kind of not denigrate but sort of lessen the impact of the more sophisticated espionage story at its core, which I really liked, and 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 so there, there it's an experience, it's an uneven experience, but and I, but it's I get gorgeous. I mean, yeah. the costumes are amazing, and what he also does if you if you if you can pay you know some attention to it is because it's about when Korea was occupied by Japan in the 1930s, he's the, the, the production design and, and the architecture and, and the costumes and everything, he's playing around with, with a mix of cultures that's very sophisticated, too. Okay, so this is an Amazon Studios release, and they're partnering, as they always do, with the theatrical distributor, in this case, Magnolia, which seems like the right fit. They do a lot of genre stuff, and they're not, they don't have and to And a lot of Asian films. Yeah, so they don't have, this doesn't need to be a, a massive success here. I mean, it's already opened in a lot of other places, too, but it does cont- continue the sort of uh, open question about Amazon Studios as they keep putting out different kinds of movies, and they haven't even put out Manchester yet. That'll be a big test for them as well. Well, uh, Roadside yeah. is their partner, and they know what they're doing. Um, um, I, I, that, I, of all these things, Manchester's the one that's in many ways the most tried and true in terms of what they're going for. I think I think it makes people cry. It's it's so good. Yeah, you know? certainly more people will watch that than The Handmaiden, even if they're <laughs> not in your class. So, so next week, uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll have an opportunity to dig through some Halloween options, maybe find another reason to take a break from all this Oscar talk, but I'm sure there'll be some other award season uh, developments as well. So I get to go to an actual uh, Halloween party uh, that Penske Media throws in L.A. What's your costume, man? Tell us now. Hildy Johnson. <laughs> that sounds about right. Maybe you'll win the comp- competition. I hear it's a, it's a fierce one this year. So maybe not as fierce as Oscar season, but it's all relative. Anyway, have fun out in Mexico, and we'll connect soon. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.